It's a mailbag for you. We've got your questions, including is the next player on the Atlanta Braves to sign an extension going to be Max Freed? Let's talk about it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where it's your Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am not your host, Jake Mastriani. I'm Lindsey Crosby, bench bat for the week, filling in for Jake. He'll be back next week. And before we get started, reminder, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. It's been an interesting week, obviously, for the show, given everything that's gone on. But you guys have been really good as far as, one, being welcoming me to the feed and, and taking over for Jake for a couple days. And you guys did a really great job with the questions. I'm really excited about this. It, the questions that I didn't get to, or if you have questions that come up after this show, you can send them in. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Jake's on Twitter at Shortstopball. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments if you're watching on YouTube. And if you are, do Jake a favor, subscribe to the show. He was telling me his goal is to get to 10,000 subscribers before opening day. So he is close to that. And then if you have questions for me, again, Twitter works. Or you can leave me comments on YouTube over at Locked on MLB Prospects. We're at like 6,600 subscribers. The goal is 7,000 before opening day for us. So a lot of questions, a lot of prospect talk in the third segment. But before that, I was asked about contract extensions that could potentially be coming in 2024 and why I think the next one is probably not going to be Max Fried. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I know Jake has talked about it, but the main reason guys sign these extensions, right, is in essence to ensure themselves against catastrophic injury, right? You, you sign an extension early in your career because you like where you're playing, you like the team you're a part of, and you want the security of a long-term deal so that you don't have to necessarily worry about injury and things like that. And so Max Freed has carried a lot of that injury risk himself, mind you. He has been on a series of one-year deals all the way through, and Max Freed is not injury-prone. He has been on the injured list a lot. There is a difference here because outside of the forearm strain last year that was a 60-day IL stint, most of them have been short stays, and he still has given us multiple seasons of that typical Max Freed year. 28 to 30 starts, 165 to 185 innings, double-digit wins, and ERA between somewhere between two and a half and three. I think if you are going to extend Max Freed, the last opportunity you really have to do that is in spring training. It's right now. Uh, it's going to require more money than the traditional $22 million a year limit that seems to be on the roster right now. It's not a hard and fast limit. Josh Donaldson got $23 million on that one-year deal in 2019. Freddie Freeman would have gotten more than 22 had he taken Atlanta's offer over LA's. Aaron Nola, the deal to Aaron Nola was reportedly $27 million a year. It's not a hard and fast limit, 
but it is going to take more than that. And there's going to have to be some give and take from both teams. Like, I'm sorry, from both sides of this, right? I, I can see something if Freed were to get $25 million a year for five or six years, and he was willing to maybe give up some of the additional money he'll get in free agency, you, a deal could potentially come together. And I mentioned the free agency thing a lot because I keep going back to the Freddie Freeman free agency saga and the words from Chipper Jones. I remember reading the story. I went and found the quote when I was prepping for the show. Quote, you're playing a very dangerous game. You go out in the free agent market. You get courted by all the pretty girls that are on the block. Chances are you're not going to come back. If you take your time waiting on that six-year deal into January, Atlanta AA has a job to do. That is the quote from Freddie Freeman or from Chipper Jones of what he said to Freddie Freeman. And that's what happened. So if you're going to extend Max Freed, the time to do it is now. Spring training. His price is only going to go up if he has another max free year. And given the fact that he did go on the 60-day IL last year, there is, there's probably a little tiny bit of him that is thinking about if that had been a catastrophic injury, if that had been a second Tommy John or an internal brace or whatever. And this is the opening to get the deal. But if you actually see the best brace player to sign an extension, I don't think it's going to be Max Freed. I think... Your options here, I'll give you a position player and a pitcher. For a position player, I think if anybody does it, it's going to be Jared Kelnick. I think if a pitcher does it, less likely, but if a pitcher does it, it's going to be Hurston Waldrop. And I'll get to Waldrop a little bit later. But for Kelnick, I think I'm not 100% sure what you're going to see from Jared Kelnick this year because some of the projections aren't that great for him. But then some of the underlying data from last year indicates that he also wasn't very lucky last year. Zips on fan graphs. The projected line over 121 games for Jared Kelnick. And I think they ran these before it came out. He's going to play every day. But for Zips, 239, 315, 410, 16 homers, 14 stolen bases, 28.3% strikeout percentage, 9.8% walk rate, 0.8 war overall. Zip Steamer is a little bit... More optimistic here, same number of games, 245, 322, 434, 17 homers, 13 stolen bases, 2% less in strikeout rate, same ballpark and walk rate, and one war exactly. Are we happy with a one war, Jared Kelnick, in 2024? I think given the fact that the rest of the roster is so incredibly strong, I think you are. I, I think... I think a, a rational, logical person can look at a one-war season from Jared Kelnick in 2024 and say, yeah, that is good enough for your first season, knowing that we've seen so many players not perform up to their potential standards in their first year. I'm looking at the power output for Matt Olson in his first year, a lot of more doubles and home runs. I'm looking at Sean Murphy's admitted struggles with the heat and how he slumped in the second half. And so a one more season from Jared Kelnick in 2024, I think is probably good enough. But then if you also look, there's some reasons to fully expect him to outproduce this, right? So last year, his batted ball events, 242 of these, 108 of them, so 44.6%, 108 of them had an expected batting average of 400 or better. That is the 10th highest percentage in all of baseball last year. 
and the rest of the guys on that list with him, Shohei Otani, Ronald Acuna Jr., Aaron Judge, very good hitters. And so Jared Kelnick was a little bit unlucky last year. And I side note, I remember watching one of those highlight videos of like the longest home run in every stadium, and Kelnick was in like three different times. The power is there. He hits the ball incredibly hard, which Atlanta loves. He can play great defense. It's all going to be down to how much contact can he make. And we've seen a lot of Braves hitters be able to lower their strikeout rate year over year or even midseason after working sites, the hitting God. So let's see what he does. But I think he's probably the best candidate. If he goes out there and gives you really good defense in left field, the ability to kick over to center or right if you need him to if somebody misses time, and outproduces that expected 240, 245 batting average. And let's say he hits, he has a 2020 season, he bats 255. It's only going to get more expensive for Jared Kelnick. And the way that AA works, he could do something like that. And all of a sudden, come August, you could see the press release drop that Jared Kelnick's given 1% to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. Same note here, talking about the projections real quick. Did have a question about what to expect from Chris Sale. And I'm really torn because I don't really know if it matters what Chris Sale does in the regular season, right? The projections, again, looking at Zips and Steamer, radically different here. Zips has him pitching 91 in the third innings in the regular season. ERA of like 384, 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Steamer has him pitching 141 innings, 376 ERA, 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. End of the day, I don't think I care what Chris Sale does in the regular season, right? I feel like his veteran presence, his demeanor, that's going to improve the clubhouse. And Atlanta showed last year when you were down freed for a lot of it, you were down right for practically all of it. You didn't have Anderson. You didn't have, you can still go out there and win a hundred plus games with Spencer Strider. And then Bryce Elder was your number two or number three for a lot of the year. And you could win a hundred plus games. I don't think it matters what Chris Sale does in the regular season provided he is healthy and ready to go in October. I feel like that's where Chris Sale matters. And so what to expect from Chris Sale in the regular season? I don't know. Again, I don't think it matters. As long as he's healthy in October, that's probably all I care about for Chris Sale in 2024. In just a minute, a couple more projections here. Questions about what to expect out of Aaron Bummer. What to do with Marcelo Zuna if he has a slow start? What the rotation might look like next year? We'll talk about all of these things next, right here on Locked on Braves. But first, today's episode is brought to you by a new sponsor to the network, Backblaze. It's an online storage cloud that gives a foundation for businesses, developers, IT professionals, and individuals to build applications, manage media, and back up and archive your data. They've got over 3 billion gigs of data storage under management. They work with over 500,000 customers in 175 countries. Even better peace of mind, they've restored over 55 billion files for their customers. So if this sounds good to you, you can get unlimited cloud backup for your Mac or PC for 99 bucks a year. And if you have a business, It works on multiple workstations. They give you a one-year file retention and version history, and you can even have them restore your hard drive via mail. They will ship your data to your door. So to get a fully featured no-risk trial, go to backblaze.com slash locked on MLB. You'll have plenty of time to upload and download some files. 
to see if you like it. Again, backblaze.com slash MLB. Sign up for the free trial. See why the New York Times, Inc. Magazine, Tom's Guide have all remitted Backblaze. But seriously, go back your stuff up. Okay, back to Locked On Braves here. Again, Lindsey Crosby filling in for Jake Mastriani. Jake will be back next week. Uh, sorry, by the way, we couldn't do this live. Had some technical issues over here on our end. Just trying to get it to work, and it wasn't quite working because ultimately it's not my YouTube feed. It's somebody else's, and they gave me some temporary access to, co- to fill in for Jake here. So sorry we couldn't do this live, friends. Expectations for Aaron Bummer, and is there a potential that he is the best newcomer next year? I think that I don't want him to be the best newcomer because Jared Kelnick does play every day. And so if Aaron Bummer is your best newcomer on the roster, that means that it's possible Ronaldo Lopez underperformed a bit. Jared Kelnick is underperforming in left field, and they've said they're going to give him all the time in the world to figure it out. He's going to play every day while they let him play through any sort of struggles he might have. And then obviously Chris Sale, I just said it doesn't matter what he does in the regular season, but still, if Aaron Bummer is your best newcomer, I feel like you're probably not happy with what Sale was healthy enough or able to do in the regular season. But projections for Aaron Bummer, uh, a lot of the projection systems legitimately think that last year was a fluke, right? Like I looked on Fangraphs, three and two with a three, two, one ERA in 58 innings. The thing that Aaron Bummer is going to give you is almost every single outing is going to be a combination of strikeouts and ground ball outs. The projections have him, again, 10.5 strikeouts per night, which would honestly be a little bit of an underperformance. Uh, 2022 was the only year since he's been uh, in the majors pretty much full-time that he actually did that. He had 12.5 strikeouts per nine last year and 21, and 13.5 in 2020 for what that's worth because nothing from 2020 counts except for apparently Freddie's MVP. Uh, But the big thing that I've noticed Aaron Bummer's performance is, yes, the strikeout rate is good, right? But the ground ball rates and the home run rates are what to really cover. Career home run rate for Aaron Bummer, counting his awful 2017, counting a struggle in 23, all of that, career home run rate of 1.6%. MLB average is 3.2%. So he's twice as good as at the against the average play, versus the average player at preventing home runs it's 0.6 per nine innings, which would by far be the best mark on this entire roster. And by the same vein, his ground ball rates are absurd. MLB average 43%. In his career, Aaron Bummer has a 65.8% ground ball rate. The dude keeps the ball on the ground, he does not give up bombs, and he gets strikeouts. And it's a recipe for a very effective reliever. And so yesterday, in the third segment, when I was talking about the bullpen, I talked about Aaron Bummer being your middle kind of relief guy, but you can absolutely see where, if A.J. Minter struggles or is injured, that Aaron Bummer could probably elevate up into your setup, man, your lefty setup guy, to replace Minter. And you really not miss a beat. The velocity may not be what Mentor has. He's throwing different stuff than Mentor, right? But it's a very good mix that is proven at 
getting ground balls, getting strikeouts, and not allowing home runs. He, he very well could be the best newcomer. I feel like if that happens, it's an underperformance from, uh, from both Sale and Kelnick, but he has the stuff to do it. And last year, you can really see a ton of bad luck. 58 and a third innings, 6.79 ERA with the White Sox, but his fielding independent pitching was 3.58. So he had almost double the ERA from his fielding independent pitching, which is an absurd spread, especially over 58 in the third games, and shows you just maybe how bad that White Sox team was last year. What is Marcelo Zuna's leash this year if he starts slow? And honestly, it's going to be really, really long, so get ready for that. Last year, famously, Marcelo Zuna was, uh, to, to put it politely, was cheeks all year. Or sorry, all or like early the first month of the year, right? Marcelo Zuna was atrocious early in the year. He batted 085 as you got into May. And then from May through the rest of the year, he batted almost 300. And it was something where Brian Sinker said he's hitting the heck out of the ball. And so they left him in there to play his way out of it. And the fact that he did play his way out of it and ended up with 40 home runs and 100 RBIs tells you that if you're in a similar situation this year, Atlanta, as long as the fundamentals are there, he's not doing too much stupid chase, he's hitting the ball hard, they're going to let him play his way out of it again this year too. And it's a contract year for him because this is the final year of his deal. He does have a club option Atlanta can pick up. They have a team option because... As they do, they have team options on all these guys. They have club options on all these guys. It's a $16 million club option for his age 34 season, or they owe him a million dollars for a buyout. $18 million in salary this year. And then if he performs like he did last year, you get him for a discount the next year. He's going to have a long leash because if it works out, you save a little bit of money and keep your DH for one more year. With David McCabe's injury, you probably don't really have an, another DH in the system that would be close enough to come up and play next year so you're just using whatever backup catcher's not in the game that day quick question here asked about the 2025 rotation i think strider sale are locks i like ian anderson to resume uh, as the third guy he's obviously not going to be available to start the season i think i wrote saw that in somebody's article today not on bravestoday.com but somewhere else they said ian anderson's a good candidate to open spring as the fifth starter and i'm like no he's not he's not back until mid-season he's talked about sometime over the summer but I do think he'll have the time, if he comes back during the summer, he'll have the time to get back into form to be in the rotation in 2025. And so I've got them as the top three. And then after that, Bryce Elder feels like he's a pretty good candidate. Again, we talked about this yesterday. We don't know what Ronaldo Lopez's role will be. He's being paid an $11 million salary last uh, next year, which is very much back-end starter money. So if Lopez is your starter, that leaves one spot for a Hurston Waldrop, an AJ Smith-Shaver, Waskar Yanoa, a couple different options there, plus the other guys you have in the minors, whether it's a guy like a Dylan Dodd, a guy like a Darius Vines, Alan Winans, who is dealing with back spasms right now and hasn't thrown a bullpen in spring, or a prospect coming up like a Spencer Schwellenbach or something like that. It, you've got options, but I do think your top four end up being some combination of Strider, Sale, Anderson, Elder. And then if Lopez, again, is ready to start, there's your five right there with the ability of one of those guys, like a Waldrip, like a Smith-Shaver, 
to take over or be that sixth and seventh starter that you know you're going to need next season. In just a minute, you guys had a ton of questions about the prospects. I love the prospect questions. Thank you for recognizing who I am and what I do. Uh, We're going to get to all those prospect questions next right here on Locked on Braves. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. So go out there and pick an NBA bet. I legitimately could tell you nothing about how good the Hawks are. I do not watch a lot of basketball. But it's hard just to bet against any Atlanta sports team even though uh, I feel like my life is going to be 10 years shorter from betting on Atlanta sports teams. So just go pick your favorite NBA player team. You got quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. And then use those bonus bets to go place some money on your favorite Atlanta Braves to win all of the awards next year because Braves are favorites to win almost everything but Rookie of the Year. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to shoot this shot with FanDuel, the official sports book, of the Locked On Podcast Network. Final segment of Locked On Braves, Lindsey Crosby filling in for Jake Mastriani. Uh, Again, thank you to everybody for the questions, for the warm welcome, for expressing the gratitude for me coming over here and trying to help out for a couple days. You guys had a ton of prospect questions for me, which thank you very much. Question about what does Hurston Waldrop need to do to be in the starting rotation all year in 2025 and it's a little bit tricky here there's a couple things and same question for AJ smith I got both of those questions so let's put them together for Hurston Waldrop it's going to come down to two things one is going to be the fastball command and two is going to be his ability to land his secondary so if you watch both in college and in the minors last year he was four and something walks per nine innings pretty consistently across the entire year and so I think he's always going to be one of those guys that has a little bit higher walk rates. But the issue when he got into trouble in college last year, and you saw this in the College World Series, when he got into trouble, it was because he wasn't consistently able to land his secondary pitches in the zone for strikes. And at a certain point, you could just ignore some of those other options and either force him to bring the fastball into the zone to get a strike to not walk a guy or to throw whatever was the only breaking pitch. Maybe it was the splitter. Maybe it was the slider, the curveball, whatever. The only breaking pitch that he could land for a strike that day. And so being able to consistently command those and watch for what I think Atlanta's going to do here is there's a theme that Atlanta has with the p- pitching prospects. If it's a guy who has a slider and a curveball, you bring him into the system And Atlanta's like, we're just going to, you know what? Just don't throw that curveball for a while. We're just going to focus on improving the slider. And when we get the slider where it needs to be, we're going to turn around and bring the curveball back for you. AJ Smith-Shaver rarely threw that curveball in 22. Brought it back last year. Surprised some dudes with it. It looked better than I thought it was going to. It's that staggered approach. Atlanta likes to do this. And we know that the workload's not going to be as big of a concern for Hurston Waldrop. He pitched between the minors and college last year. He pitched 131 innings. And so you're in a scenario where a realistic jump this year could be 160 and change for innings. And by 2025, he could be a 190 inning guy 
at the major league level, provided physically everything goes well, right? Uh, that's that's kind of the issue you're going to have for A.J. smith Shaver. And don't take this the wrong way. I love A.J. smith Shaver. I am a huge, I think he's the best athlete in the system. I'm a big fan of what he can do. He threw 87 and a third innings in the regular season last year. And so it is a larger hill to climb for A.J. smith Shaver to get into the starting rotation and be able to stay there in 2025 because he really needs to be able to get, cover 150 innings to be in the majors all year. Even if he's a five-and-dive guy and you're looking at 30 starts of five innings, that's 150 innings. So if you want him to, if we're defining all year as 30 starts, he needs to build up a lot of innings. And he's a great athlete. He's had a lot of work this offseason to handle that load. But the question is going to be that. And then it's going to be refining both the command and the control of the fastball. And reminder for those who aren't 100% on this, control is the ability to throw a strike. Command is the ability to throw the ball where you want it, either in or out of the zone. They hit your spot. And when you watch A.J. Smith-Shaver's scatter plot, look at the fastball specifically. They're all over the place. It's an amazing fastball. The metrics are really good, but he's got to get more consistent with his ability to put it, to, to command it where he wants it. It's effectively wild right now, and it works. But to get into the rotation, he's going to have to have the workload. He's going to have to better be able to land that. Uh, had a question about why Dylan Dodd regressed so much last year. And I really think it was the injury. He was out for about six weeks. He was on the, the, uh, the Gwinnett injured list. We don't know why. The te teams don't announce minor league injuries for the most part. But the stuff wasn't as good at AAA as it was in the majors. His strike percentage dropped to mid to low 60s in AAA. It was higher than that in the bigs, close to 70% in the majors. He needs to be closer around the zone and avoid the walks. The walk rate went up in the minors. His call strikes plus whips was down in AAA versus the majors. So the injury was obviously affecting him. And I think getting back to health is going to be a thing. And if he can either just improve one of the secondaries or get a little bit better at maintaining the zone when he's deeper into a start, I think that's going to be the key for him to get back into contending for a rotation spot discussion because right now he's seen as one of those depth options for a spot start like a Winans, like a Vines and guys like that. Which starter ends up in the pen of the pitching prospects? Uh, Waldrop's the easy solution to me here, right? Like have a, a, a curveball and a slider that both need some work, but the fastball and splitter are both gross. Those are two pitches. I think Herson Waldrop could be in the Braves bullpen right now. I think that he could be, he could He's not the same caliber of pitcher. I'm not saying this, but I think Herson Waldrop could pull an AJ smith Shaver, or I think Herson Waldrop could pull a Spencer Strider and be in the bullpen right away. And if his stuff is indeed good enough, you could then move him into the rotation. But I think his stuff is good enough right now to be in the bullpen. And I think if you made him into a reliever, which don't do that yet, if you made him into a reliever, I think he could be a closer type reliever within just a couple seasons, if not sooner than that. Breakout prospects for 2024. Last one we're going to get to tonight. I've got three for you. Surprise, they're all pitching prospects. Spencer Schwellenbach. The big thing for me, is, well, I guess there's two, is one, coming off of the Tommy John, he came back in a different order. Usually you see guys, the stuff is back, but 
the control isn't necessarily there yet. The control, the command hasn't quite come. Last year, the control was back. He walked like two guys in chains per nine innings, but he was getting like seven strikeouts per nine innings where pitching prospects, you normally want them to be 9, 10, 11, 12, depending on what level you're in. And the stuff looked really good. And so I think because of that, the stuff wasn't like it looked good, but it wasn't getting the results yet. But the command was there. It feels like he's primed for a breakout this year when the stuff starts getting more swing and miss. And the last two starts in Rome that he had, exceptional. 11 innings pitched, two hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts. I think Swellenbach is potentially a high A to double A taste of Gwinnett at the end of the year kind of guy invited to 25 spring training. Drew Hackenberg. Drew Hackenberg is a sinker slider guy, but he's like the platonic ideal of a sinker slider guy, right? A ton of run on the sinker, above average on that. A slider, he can manipulate the shape. He can uh, change what it does to either get chased, to get swing and miss, land it for a strike if you're going to take. And when you watch what he did last year, six and a third innings, I know, not a lot of innings. Six walks, but four of them were the double-A Mississippi start, the first time he ever used the actual MLB ball. They use a different ball in the lower minors, but double-A, triple-A use the MLB ball. So 29 total plate appearances, 13 strikeouts, eight ground balls, one extra base hit in that entire thing. Opposing batters batted 130. I think he could absolutely move quickly if he acclimates to the workload of full season ball. Cade Kuehler is the third one. And here's the thing, okay. So fastball, elite vertical break. We talk about the induced vertical break. 17 inches or so is around average induced vertical break. He sits around 20. And he's running at mid-90s. It's great combination of velocity and carry up in the zone. He's got a gyro slider that goes with that. I want him to throw it a little bit harder. The faster a slider, the harder a slider is thrown, the better. Look at Strider. Fastball up in the zone, hard gyro slider. And then Keeler's got a splitter as well that I think is better than Strider's changeup. Not saying much, but uh, I like the three-pitch mix. And then he had a curveball in college. He had a cutter in college. What does Atlanta do? They tell their pitching prospects to stop throwing the curveballs to make the sliders better. So when they bring back the curveball next year, it's going to be legit four-pitch mix. If you add the cutter, that gives you five, and that gives you another direction you can cover. And I just like the package of all of the stuff. I think he could move incredibly quickly. Thank you guys for the hospitality this week. Enjoy the spring training games this weekend. Jake is back next week. And in the meantime, go Braves.